And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. As originally written, the monster was not delineated in the movie. There's this cliche about it's always better never to show the face of the devil, never show the monster, always suggest it. And uh, I was struggling with that until uh, I came on uh, Rob Bottin into the special effects. And he suggested the kind of secret of the movie, which was uh, the thing can look like anything. It doesn't have to look like one creature. It could look like every life form it's imitated throughout the universe because it's been on travels, on its travels for a long, long time. So it was a chance to create a monster that was design-based and based on the movement we could give it and based on some really crazy uh, kind of offbeat ideas. I don't know that there's been a monster done like this. A Robo team convinced me and that's the way we wanted it. Material Podcast. I'm Tom Cornell. And I'm Langley West. And we're here for episode 192. 192. And, ah, man, I've been on just the edge of my seat all day uh, <laughs> about this thing. Um, we're bringing back a guy who's a, an artist and a sculptor and, and as I've said before, I think one of the most important like surrealists going. Uh, please welcome Paul Komoda. Yay! Sorry to smoke. Good to be back. And uh, no, thank you for having me again. But we're here to, to talk about a, uh, a film that not only is one of our mutual favorites, but also something that you have some relationship with, and that is... Yeah, I've got some, a bit more investment than just emotional. <laughs> in, the mid, in the midst of things, um, at one point, uh, I'm sure we'll be getting to that fairly yeah. soon. But, uh, but we're talking about the, yeah. the, the, the property of the thing. Right. Uh, first... Uh, in a, a film in 1951 called The Thing from Another World. Based on um, Campbell's short story, Who Goes There? Right. And then in 1982, John Carpenter's The, the Thing, which is what we're going to kind of focus on, and also uh, uh, The 2011 Thing, which is something that, I, as I uh, said, that uh, Paul worked on. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be great. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I love, uh, well, um, as Heather calls it, The Thingy, yeah, which yes. I've been referring to ever since that time. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's safe to say, like out of the box, we're in the bag for this this whole franchise. I, you know, I, I, at this point anymore, I'd say so. is yeah. there anybody who isn't? I mean, like I like I don't talk to any either. Either people don't watch it because they don't like scary, mm-hmm. or everybody who has seen it at at this point loves it. I, I like I can't. I was talking yeah. about Carpenter's, you know, movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very vindicating. I mean, uh, I was reminiscing about um, the time when it was first released, and if people remember at the time, this film was not just overlooked; it was not just ignored. This film was hated. Yeah. I mean, the re- the reviews were condemning, and even, and this is what's interesting too. It wasn't even so much like you know the adult world; it was more of um, people, friends, peers, my age, who grew up with the same stuff. 
I'd show them the stuff that had changed my life, and I remember one or two in general were like, oh, my God, no, no, I can't deal with this. Mm -hmm. um, oh, right, this is Hollywood's way of making things better, making it bloody, fuck this. Yeah. And, uh, oh, oh, no, that'll fuck my dog. I'm going to have nightmares for weeks after this. And it's like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, think, I think some of that speaks to um, the same thing that was happening to Blade Runner 2, and that is America was coming out of a time... We, we, uh, America was was tired of the Vietnam War and mm -hmm. all this stuff, and they were they, they wanted to feel good. Yeah, ET was popular, right? At the time. Exactly, and yeah, I remember roughly the same time. Wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 exactly. And everyone liked the friendly little alien that was going to give them, you know, fix their finger. But right, right. Uh, this was not that guy. Uh, oddly enough, you mm, mentioned Blade hardly. Runner. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Blade Runner. This opened on the same day as Blade Runner. Right, exactly. And both of those. Oh movies wow! Did not know that. Were panned for being too depressing, too dark, too, um, you know, and, and, you know, we were coming into the age of Reagan and, you know, this kind of national pride. We, we want to get back to the 50s and feeling good again and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And Yeah, yeah. I remember, I, yeah. Yeah, I remember a lot of the films that came out during that period that are um, held up as classics now were not terribly well received at that point. Blade Runner and the thing in particular. Mm -hmm. And I remember, uh, yeah, Blade Runner was a, a lot. The reaction was uh, a lot of style over substance, and you don't care about these characters. And even and that was even more pointed for the reviews of the thing, where it's just like these aren't characters; these are victims. <laughs> and it's a geek show, and you know, it's like uh, Aliens and, um, that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, people said the same thing that there too. And I remember even Alien, uh, that came under a lot of fire from certain circles as well. You know, and and it's, and, and, uh, and then, <laughs> at the time when I'm reading these reviews as, as a kid, you know, it's a little heartbreaking to see all this stuff. But it, but again, it's good. I'm I'm quite pleased that you know time has uh, vindicated these films. Well, one of the things that blew me away in doing all of the preliminary stuff for this show is that um, on IMDb. Um, it seems as if somebody had a model and like was moving people around in 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 sync with the film. Right. And he kind of accounts. You can read it on IMDb under the trivia thing. Um, he accounts yeah. for almost everybody and and postulates like this is where this guy could have gotten infected. This is this. Then this. He went into this room and. Oh my and, God! Yeah, yeah. The theories behind <laughs> the trajectory of the thing's progress. To the camp, it, it, it gets pretty intense. I yeah, the the thing that I think a lot of people what turned a lot of people off to this film um, was the thing that made me go and like it more. Um, I tend to like things where I think the filmmaker doesn't have my best interests at heart. Sure. And man, does that deliver. Yeah, no, I, I, love it. I love it when you met, whenever you mention that because it's exactly what I look for. It's like, okay, Absolutely. I think we're in for something pretty by interesting. The by the time you get to the first effect scene in, in this in Carpenter's film, you, you're, it's clear that this is, this is not anything that we've dealt with before. And it's, Precisely. It's exciting. It's so exciting. Well, and, and yeah, I think for me, yeah, the, yeah, the moment I knew that we were in for something was with those lingering shots of uh, Wilford Brimley pulling the organs out of the carcass. Yeah, yeah. And he's kind of squishing them in his fingers, and <laughs> it seems perfectly normal. I guess everyone had a problem with that scene, except for Wilford Brimley, who was a hunter, and he was just like, oh, yeah, 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 it's a hunter. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but he ended up having, he didn't like the the finished product because he he thought it was just violence for no good reason. Yeah, it's like, man. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, whatever. 
<laughs> Whatever. <laughs> He's wrong, and, and that's all there is to it. Um, I remember this kind of... In the same way that Alien kind of shocked my system, and I had this like weird electricity whenever... Um, uh, for me, not so much when the, the chest burster scene would happen, but whenever um, uh, Ash's head gets knocked off. I remember. Yeah, that, that was fairly uh, uh, jarring for me, not knowing what was going on at the time. Right, exactly. And this movie did the same thing where it's like, uh, oh shit, I, I have never seen anything like this before. Now, now we kind of, you know, like people who weren't around then or to watch it when it first came out, you know, we have literature and graphics and, and movies and stuff that are full of tentacles and parasites and all these different things, but at the time... Yeah, not to mention, you know, you know some like uh, countless video games with the same mm, kind of imagery in exactly. it. Exactly. At the time, this and was fucking unreal. I mean, it was... You know, yeah, it when, set the template. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Fuck, this is... This is pretty hard. And you can tell how big, how big of a, how it, how how much it set the template by how m- much it was imitated in yeah. the ensuing years. To this oh, day. Absolutely, the cultural fallout was pretty was pretty huge. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see, made for fifteen million. Uh, the gross, the domestic gross was thirteen point seven. Wow. Yeah. That's, wow. That kills mm. me. Yeah. Um, Carpenter admits that it went. He had agreed to do the film based on the the blood scene. And, oh, uh, the testing uh, the blood. But meeting Rob Bottin took made the entire project take a left because yeah. he was like, "Look at this! Look at this squiggly stuff." Well, Bottin was the first one that said, "Hey, man, this thing this thing can assimilate, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, and, and so it can be anything. We can we can make it whatever." Yes, and that was huge. Yeah, there's an interesting side story. Uh, there was a designer on that crew named, I believe his name uh, is pronounced Dale Kuypers. And I think he was the initial creature designer for the film. And he had an entirely different approach to what the creature would be in that there would be an established form, a very definite insectoid creature that wouldn't so much assimilate you, it would, it would, it would invade your body and it would definitely live inside you almost like a, um, just kind of puppeting you around. And it wouldn't so much Transform into different creatures. I think his idea was it would project these things um, mentally into your into your head, so you'd see different various forms that would distract you while it was doing other things, uh, um, other things <laughs> basically. And um, the story was, I mean, he did this beautiful maquette of the thing, it was, and again, it was this uh, very insectoid creature with lots of these mandibles and things. Uh, and that he had a um, rather a horrible encounter with uh, the way it was described: a biker pushed him to a fake glass window at a certain point, which put him in the hospital. And uh, this all comes from this um, 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 a comic format book that I had, it was the Dale Kuyper sketchbook, where he described what had happened to him. And and it, he seemed a little resentful. He seemed at the time he felt like uh, he'd been, uh, while he was out of it, Botine was kind of whining and dining Carpenter on the idea for you know his version of the thing. And so he felt that it, it had been sort of wrested away from him in a way. And uh, but it, it is interesting to see, uh, you know, and he had a lot of um, diagrams showing how this thing would work and how it would look split out of people's bodies when it was detected, and uh, and provides an interesting kind of uh, alternate take on what might have been. Mm-hmm. Sure, it, it, you, well, you know, it, it's funny too because if you think about the Howard Hawks film, um, you know, it's it's completely, you know, as far as uh, uh, physicality and that stuff goes. 
the James Arness monster is completely, I mean, not even in the same Ar- world. Arness said he thought he looked like a giant carrot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, thought the, in fact, thought the role was embarrassing. So embarrassing that he didn't attend the premiere. Yeah. yeah. No. Carpenter considers this to be the first of his apocalypse trilogy. And yeah. I'm like, is that a thing? Yeah. So oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Th- so this is the, um, he calls it the end of the world trilogy, and it starts with the thing. Yeah. And um, the middle one is um, Prince of Darkness. Yeah. And then the third one is uh, In the Mouth of Madness. And, <laughs> and and I, I guess what he's getting at is that each of these kind of lead to a scenario where um, the the world can end, mm-hmm. you know, um, through through this cosmic horror thing and, and more of a supernatural yeah, thing yeah. in the Prince of Darkness. Um, they're all gloomy as fuck. They're not they're not feel good films. Not at all. I remember at the time uh, in interviews, uh, Carpenter stated that The Thing was his most nihilistic film to date. Mm. Mm. Totally. I mean, you know, the, the one thing that all of the different versions of this, uh, including the prequel that you worked on, Paul, is it does play on this whole idea of um, uh, paranoia, partially, suspicion. Uh, yeah, suspicion, partially brought about by isolation. Mm hmm. And, yeah. and and claustrophobia. Um, the whole structure is real Romarian, right? Take a group of people, lock them in a room, induce a threat. Oh, and totally. Then, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's neither you living. See how people? Yeah, yeah. You see how people eat each other up, basically, before mm-hmm. the monster arrives. And we find out, as Romero talks about a lot, about how the monster isn't outside; the monster is us. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And oh, he, yes. he'll keep going back to that. <laughs> and it's kind of the same thing here, where you immediately see, in all of the versions, immediately in in the people involved, you you see panic, you see irrationality, right? You see oddly power plays like. I know what we're doing. Follow me. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm the guy who's going to save our ass. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Henry Rollins and There seems to be a lot of that in the real world today, too. It's a little unnerving. Uh, it's amazing to me again about, like, like as you start going in there, the, about all these, these fan things, just, just looking at and. Uh, uh, like the ship, like was it was the thing was it the thing ship or and people have this whole scenario about what happened on the alien ship and why it crashed and yada 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 yeah 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 like it may have been yeah that's something mo- yeah that's that's what they were going to explore further in the prequel and. Mm-hmm. I think it was barely touched on in the uh, yeah. in the final film. The thing I read talked about how the species, this alien species, was collecting other alien species. Yeah, yeah, it was sort of like uh, you know, sort of an alien zoological expedition, and they had all these different kinds of life forms, which they were kind of like. I remember when I was at ADI, they were kind of cobbling things together from the various pieces of other creatures they'd worked on together to form you know little background creatures, things you'd see like for for a second and all that. And the basic idea was, you know, after collecting all these things from various plants, one of them was infected by the thing. And um, and things kind of um, <laughs> transpire from that point. Right, right. It's an int- I, that theory alone, I'd watch that. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, no one else hearing about this when we were on the production. I was like, yeah, there, there you go. That's, that's <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> well, that's a, and that's the great thing about Carpenter's film is that he intentionally makes so much of it ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and uh, you know, and I know that he has said a couple of things like, well, you know, to me, it's obvious what's you know who this person is. He and changes that, his mind. He does change it, and and I think that that's true. <laughs> of of like Ridley Scott's the same way when yeah. he's talking about is Decker a replicant? Well, yeah. it, you know, mm-hmm. we, know we know now that if for many oh, years, ambiguity sells. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Well, not only yeah, that, yeah. but <laughs> it's like it, it when you do that, it's like you're making. You're making your the viewer becomes complicit and and as part of the adventure, part of the story. It's like a choose your own adventure. Mm-hmm. If I want that first shadow, when when we see the shadow of the dog come in and somebody turns around, yeah. If I want that to be Norris, it's Norris. If I want it to be well, he purposely he Carpenter purposely in those scenes, he didn't want anyone to be able to go, hey. That guy has a lapel thing, and right. it must be so and so. So he had a complete, right. a completely different person stand in as the shadow. Yes, and that's so awesome. It's so cool. There's a that's, lot that's of that. That's pretty in cool. There. Did not know that. Yeah. The thing I loved about the 2011 thing uh, film uh, is how much attention was placed to. I know it was random stuff like uh, in the in the carpenter. Yeah, at one point you walk by a red axe. That's in the wall, right? And that gets addressed in in the 2011 yeah, film. Yeah. Like there was a lot of attention paid to yes um, that kind of thing, and I and I love that. I I love the in in the the I just love the the um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for the 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 the, um, the idea of of us finding out what's going on in the Norwegian camp, mm-hmm. you know, right away. In the, in yeah, that was car- exciting to me. Uh, was, right, well, exactly. It's like the story idea was brought to me. I was like, okay, this this is potential for something. Did they when they talked to you about all that? There, there was obviously like beats that they wanted to hit. Was was that a like a conscious thing, or or was it so, sort of uh, uh, um, calling on on the memory of of what they had already seen, or what, what have you? For example, like 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 there are beats in the film where like the 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 game room scene in the 2011 is very similar to the blood scene in the 82. Right. Yeah, yeah. But did yeah, they talk about that? Uh, to an extent, it was like, we weren't like uh, given the whole story, so to speak, but there were certain things where uh, we'd have a meeting and they'd talk about, oh, well, this relates back to this particular scene of the first film. I'm like, oh, okay, that could be interesting. Like the whole thing about uh, why the man uh, slits his throat and, and his wrists and is found frozen. Was uh, that, that was going to be a whole creature sequence where there was something uh, um, that was going to be one of either uh, one of the characters' legs or arms that turned into a centipede and was kind of was kind of stretched across the door, preventing any kind of exit. And the thing was latching out with a spiked tongue and all that. And there's going to be this whole scene where it was just so hopeless that the guy just offed himself, but uh, it didn't get further than uh, the idea stage, I guess. Yeah, I, I had read something bad. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, Keep talking. That, that would have been cool. Hey, uh, that's one of my one of my criticisms of the 2011 movie is that it does seem like that a showrunner said hey we have to have a crawling head scene we have to have you know like like they were looking at the first film and it's like okay we have to have a scene like that we have to see have a scene like that um and that bothered me because it felt like it felt like they were they uh, not just paying homage 
Yeah, yeah, things are kind of being shoehorned in, in a way. Right, 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 And right. Uh, things tended to feel kind of contrived. It's like, oh, really? But, yeah. But, here, you know, talk about the great things with that movie is the fucking creature design. Yeah. It's, dude. But before you move on, I want to just say one thing. Here, uh, this is what I found on the internet. A scene was filmed showing how Colin has locked himself in the room behind the door where Carter... Joel Egerton puts his axe in. He then hears movements from the armed things closing in on him. With nowhere to go, Colin takes a razor, slices his wrist, sits down, and slices his throat. The the scene was deleted for pacing reasons, but is on the Blu-ray. Yeah, wow. I gotta get that. Yeah, I remember I actually drew drew the the door creature at (sighs) one point. And again, uh, and, and I don't know... Uh, if I've ever, if I've ever seen anything uh, that was shot from that particular image, wow. uh, uh, planned out thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, lots of things that we were just doing, sculpting different uh, protuberances and the like. That just it was a little disheartening because I'd be really getting into something. I mean, I remember I just felt this kind of a um, a hand that had kind of extended to kind of like a claw, like harpoon uh, for the guy that splits open in the helicopter. And there's going to be this whole struggle where this guy was like changing and. The hands were extending, and, and I had a really good time with his hand, and then he got the word by and by, and I was like, oh, yeah, it looks like they're cutting down the scene, and up, uh, yeah, it doesn't look like that scene's happening. It's like, oh, man. Uh, so, so that was always a little heartbreaking, but, yeah, you know, it, it's in the display room at ADI right now, and it's, it's always nice to see it. See it. It's a, that's <laughs> a good reveal, that. though, it, you know, when they finally reveal, because they do a, oh, the a dude, shell game, where it's like, clearly you think it's a sick guy, and, right, right, right. and, then, and then it bursts free. Yeah. Uh, let me see if there's anything else I want to say about the 2011 thing. It's, it, supposedly in the ice, when when they're looking at the um, ship, yeah, there's a xenomorph carved into into the ice. <laughs> no, well, I did, did not know that. <laughs> and uh, they're they're saying that uh, Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff have been working on the Alien franchise from '92 to. Well, yeah, and they yeah. blame them. <laughs> Tom and Alec are around. Fuck them. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really hilarious. <laughs> uh, what you know? One of the things that that makes this. Well, first of all, I'm a sucker for um, what I call white horror, and and that is horror that's taking place in the snow mm-hmm. and in the in in the mm-hmm. and, uh, because. Um, you know, at this point, we do have plenty of it, I guess, over the years. But at the time, again, they're in the snow, and then in which automatically makes things like, you know, this kind of white, desolate. Because I do, I walk outside as a kid, and I look out down towards the swamp, and I have this large expanse of That's snow, so and I, mm-hmm. man, and I'd watch the thing, and I'd be like, it's out there, dude. <laughs> just, I love that in Antarctica, in, in like, research facilities, yeah. and blah, 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 watching this, these movies, these three movies is an annual event. Oh, my God. Like, they gather together, oh, wow. and, and it becomes this whole potlucky thing, and they, <laughs> and they sit in the middle of nowhere in Antarctica and watch oh, the thing. Beautiful. Yeah. I wonder if wow. the I wonder if the research scientist that was down there alone and had to give herself a mastectomy 
No, it was an appendectomy. Oh, an appendectomy. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. I wonder if she sat alone and watched the thing. I, it's like <laughs> get you in the right headspace oh for like That's having to operate right. on yourself. Yeah. Uh, one last thing about the 2011 thing. Um, uh, that game room scene, dude, is fucking frightening. Like it, it dropped. It, it's like dropping into like third gear. You know, where, where, I mean, you're, it, you've seen stuff. Yeah. But we really haven't seen this thing revealed, and with, with the, the millipede arms and and all the rest of that. The, the stuff. melding of the two heads. Dude, when that, when that. Yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. When that, when I, when that thing crawls and lays on top of that dude. Yeah. That is so frightening. Um. So yeah, I like those things. I remember when we were designing this, we were talking about them. Uh, I think it's been a little while. I think um, some of the guys have gotten on to the sculptures of those things. I remember uh, my friend, um, I believe it was my friend Michael Broom, my father designing, he called them Stinglers. Uh, referencing the Tingler from the Vincent Price. Yes, it did, look, <laughs> it did look like a Tingler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so cool. They, um, You know, along with that comes the, the, the knowledge um, that almost all of the stuff that, that you guys did at ADI for that movie um, got... I mean, it's there. The design is all there. Yeah. But... Yeah, I can, I can look at it and say, that, yeah, that's something I drew. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of scenes, almost precisely. But, the, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you look at the... When you look at... When you look side by side, you look at the movie with the CGI critters, and then you look at the practical effects that ADI was doing what might have been, yeah. What might have been, I, I, it boggles my mind that anybody would choose the CGI over it. it oh, just, it was, yeah, yeah, it was very, uh, it was, um, yeah, heartbreaking because I remember I was back there for something. Uh, I remember this was a couple of months after the last minute work on it, and we, and we were all going to be called in for a change or something like that, or oh, we're we're doing this new thing. And they're getting the, uh, some photos back from the shoot, and, and we were looking at these creature shots and going, "This looks pretty damn good." Yeah. Uh, and so hope hung in the air for a little bit. Yeah. Gotta say that. And then, boom! Everything got covered yeah. with, with pixels. It's, yeah, yeah, and, it, and it's unfortunate because it seems to have become the example of how not to go about uh, um, doing creature effects in your film. Uh, when so much has been done otherwise, um, the right way. Right. One of the things I found interesting was the there's a character, and I'm I'm looking at the cast list, and and this is not helping me because which 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 movie are you talking about? 2011. Okay. Um, the dude that is also in Game of Thrones. I, I forget his uh, name. He's a Norwegian actor. He's the guy that oh, oh, that the, oh, 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 the, the, the redheaded dude yeah, with the big beard. The thing that gets yeah. the the monster on his face. On his face. Yeah. 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 I found it interesting that I had watched the 2011 film and had a certain relationship with the characters and going on. Yeah, sure. But to now see this guy, it was interesting. My wife and I just watched it the other day. That immediately she was like, "Oh, it's that guy it's from that, Game of Thrones." Yeah. Oh no, I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to watch that now. It, it tells. I mean, it kind of says how long it's been since I've seen the, I've seen the thing prequel, but. Uh, Oh my God! Okay, now I, I can I can see it now. In yeah. almost in almost every Scandinavian movie I can think of, that guy that guy's in it. <laughs> he's like Gerald no, Gerald Okamura and uh, Al Leon. And They're he's like very distinctive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But um, uh, I found it interesting that it was like immediately in my life had a connection to that character because of her relationship to that actor. Right, and, and he's one of those actors that his appearance doesn't change. You, 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 yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If he shaved his beard, we'd, yeah, we'd be like, who's that guy? <laughs> right, can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, no, there was um, uh, there were the arm creatures, but there was also the, there are also leg creatures too. And I don't think the leg creatures actually got featured in the film. But I remember one of the challenges that was brought to me is like, uh, Paul, um, I know this is, is someone else is insulting this, but we can't seem to make this the foot of the leg monster not look funny. Could you make a non-funny looking foot? And I was like, oh, jeez. Um, so I remember we had this lovely book called it was Syndromes of the Head and Neck, which was the most like harrowing. They were all black and white photographs, but the most harrowing depiction of like physical deformities of the of newborns and and these incredible like uh reconfigurations of both feet and hands uh, you know things i've never seen before i'm like oh okay it's some pretty good templates to follow here so what? um i just so, imagine so this, this other spidery looking thing i yeah, just imagine ahead. paul looking at this book like that like in the adam family scabs <laughs> <laughs> It is that. It's, I mean, even this one, even though even, I, th I always think that I've seen everything, there's always a you turn a page, it's like, oh, ah. man. <laughs> I oh, remember. That, that's one to. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, excited. I'm excited now because I have not seen this foot creature, and I, I really want I to. I just know. watched the film, and I don't remember yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to see. I might have it in my photo archives. If I if I find it, I'll send it, send it your way. Oh, remember, no, I just yeah, did this please. very shriveled. Did this shriveled-looking foot with a with a toes are almost finger-like, <laughs> and it's wanted to take as much as the uh, much of the Monty Python foot aspect out of this uh, leg creature as possible. It's like it's like the leg in um, the the Tarantino movie when, when that girl gets her leg severed and it flies through the air and it's kind of wobbles. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I see. And as soon as Paul said that, I immediately flashed to Asylum. Where we got that leg that's wrapped up in in butcher's paper. Oh yeah, yeah laying yeah. on the floor, kicking back and forth on its own. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, and that's that's another aspect of this is that not only do we have this idea of parasites and um, infection, which have come become a big thing in in films, especially zombie films and that type of stuff, but we also are dealing with a, a Cronenberg like body horror thing, where it's like the, yeah. the body itself becomes um, twisted and frightening, and 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 it speaks to like a basic nature of us. Like it shouldn't be frightening if I see somebody with an affliction, but for some reason, mm -hmm. it well, can I, be, it, it, you know. I think the creature also talks to the loss of self. Like you're being eaten, like absorbed. It's right. like the blob. You're being, all that is you is going away. Yeah. And I think that's frightening. And being, yeah, and being uh, horrendously reconfigured. Right, right. Before everyone dies. Yeah, you know? and and one starts to wonder about a lot of stuff. Like, are there like within the blob or the thing? Are you are you still sentient? Are you still is you? There, is yeah, is there an aspect of you that's still in there someplace? Yeah, yeah. And how horrible. And so there was one, you know, yeah, there was one aspect of the design that I wanted to try to get to in whatever I was doing um, at ADI that doesn't really come across any of the things that ended up in the film was uh, in the original um, original the carpenter the um, carpenter version um, every human face you see that's become simulated or is bursting into something is a massive agony and torment it, it is so tortured looking this thing mm -hmm. and it's not present really at all in the 2011 version at all in fact when that uh, uh, that rather unfortunate looking 
creature appears, the final thing appears with um, um, the, the sander thing, as they call it. And he mm, just walks around the corner. He's, he's just like, hello, hey, that is me. That thing pisses me off so bad. Like when I saw oh my that. God. Yeah, oh. Not yeah, only, yeah. Not only go, is, go on. it, <laughs> is it just that, but it's like I've seen better, like, you know, the, the, the high school kid down the road does a better <laughs> Photoshop <laughs> job of blending shit oh than sticking no, some dude's no, it, face it's, on it. It's cringeworthy, uh, and damn it. And uh, because I remember we were called in to do the redesign on that last creature because there's a whole um, story of, of how there was going to be an actual alien, the pilot of the ship, yeah. was going to be depicted as something that would have uh, emerged as a. Uh, as a thing creature at the end, and it was a beautiful design. It was it was a combination of something that Jordu Shell had designed initially. The body is mostly Jordu, and I believe the head was designed by um, a fellow named Barzot, and it had that sort of three-eyed kind of uh, that streamlined head with a snorkel, that, the whole that, thing. And uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say the three-eyed thing is from the book. That was the description in the yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, that, that was interesting too. Cause we were always wondering, you know, were they going to do that? But uh, they never, they really, but this thing did that three eyes. Uh, but anyway, we had this wonderful creature, and we all had this amazing time working on it. It was, it was astounding. It was, it was me, Mikey Rotella, Casey Love, Neo Nakamura. We were all jamming on this this, this elegant alien sculpture. And now, um, who knows um, how long of a long that took, but we were all pretty happy with it at the end. And so when we heard the last minute, oh, by the way, uh, yeah, the suits looked at the film. They saw that alien. They didn't get it, so it's out. So we've got to design a new one. I'm like, oh, jeez. Well, according, so, to this, um, according to the internet, yeah. it says that a prologue would have been shown how the alien pilot purposely crashed the ship on Earth and committed suicide. Later, an alien was in the process of becoming a thing would exit the ship in order to kill itself by freezing. They talked a lot about a different ending as well, about um, Kate finding the interior littered with dead aliens, either dismembered or burnt. In the central area, there's an of the last alien pilot hanging with its throat slit. Um, the implication is that the alien race pilot in the ship was collecting the other alien specimens, as we said before, as you said before. So I think yeah, it's yeah, very I think it's yeah, because the reason, it, yeah, the reason it would have turned back into that alien because it, the only way it could pilot the ship was by um, biologically interfacing with the ship itself. It had all these little. Uh, kind, of, kind of like these um, orifices in the back of its uh, of this hump in the back, and it, these little ports would come down and kind of plug into it. Thus, it would be able to pilot the ship and make its getaway. Um, and that was the plan, anyway. See, I love all all aspects of this. It's give me a slice of all of this in in different stories and different properties. Absolutely. I'm, well, I I think one thing that's clear is that uh, this is a missed opportunity for. A franchise, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, we, you know, we, we they we, tried. We did Aliens to Death, um, and uh, uh, you know, other things. This this world is ripe for further stuff, and which often means inferior stuff. But there is the opportunity to do all this shit right, man. And I think. Now's the time. Maybe, yeah. You know? Well, in, it says here that two, in 2003, Sci-Fi Channel planned a four-hour miniseries sequel to the thing. No, no. Wow. And, but nothing ever came of wait, it. Wait, wait. Sci-Fi Channel? Yeah. Okay, I'm glad it didn't happen. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Sci-Fi did the Doom but thing. Thanks, but no thanks. And that doesn't suck. That's true. That's true. But it, it still would have been... Nobody would have been making real creatures... Um, 
at the Sci-Fi Channel. They, they, they would have <laughs> yeah. been, it would have been, hey, oh my. I, they would have yeah. been like, hey, kid, do you know Maya? Okay, <laughs> uh, you're hired. <laughs> Here, uh, ten bucks an hour. Can we talk about the ending of Carpenter's film, please? So, oh, uh, throughout it, there are all these, are, again, all these arguments about like everything from there's a scene in the dog kennel where a, a pencil is used to poke the corpse, right? And then later, someone puts that pencil in his mouth. Sure, sure. And there's all these people going, ooh, he's infected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, when, when Brimley does his thing there. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's all this, you know, at, like every step of the way. Um, um, yeah, because I think he's doing, he's wearing the most flimsy plastic gloves while he's like pulling all the, the limbs off his seeping I carpet. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's that movie thing that just drives me oh crazy. Oh, my God. It's the, it's the, uh, it's the coroner that comes in with a sandwich and puts it on the table yeah. and just starts doing his work. Yeah. Like, wow. You know, what I mean, we, we all look at that in movies and we all go like, oh. But how many of us who have had to deal with like that kind of stuff in real life have done exactly that? Exactly the thing that you tell your guys not to, not do, to do, and yeah, yeah. you do it. I mm-hmm. I can't count. I, how many times have I dressed a wound at work? Without yeah, gloves, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like yeah. I, I, um, <laughs> I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying it's I. I think it's true. It's a you know. Uh, in the, the some of the things that were floated with the ending were this one. They're both human. Um, the argument there is that we we it's we as an avatar we think that Russell is human. Childs has an earring which. Is revealed in the 2011 that they can't, the creature can't assimilate. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's yeah. also an argument that w- when they're sitting down and they do that whole speech at the end about yeah. if we have any secrets for one another, the logic runs like this: that Kurt Russell had been running around throwing Molotov cocktails the entire time. Right. When he hands the bottle to Childs and Childs drinks it, it's a Molotov cocktail. He hits gasoline. And uh, (laughs) the child thing drinks it because it's an alien and thinks, yeah, and he kind of laughs like, oh, yeah, fuck, (laughs) fuck, man. (laughs) You've got my number. There there are other things, too. Childs, um, if I remember correctly, uh, you don't see his breath. Yeah, you do with uh, yeah, that was a big one for a while. Yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> but but you know what? To be honest, I think all of this comes down to um, happenstance. I don't. I don't think you know. Like I. I don't think the clues are. I. I do think that Carpenter was smart and he was trying to to make it ambiguous. But it's like all this fan theory stuff. It's like. Mm-hmm you're seeing a lot more there than there really is. But here's the interesting thing about that kind of stuff is if you are seeing it, then it's it becomes, real, yeah. yeah, it's out of the filmmaker's hand now and, and it's it, and it belongs to the people. Um, Marcellus Wallace's Band-Aid on the back of Band-Aid. his head. What's in the briefcase? What's in the briefcase, right, mm-hmm. exactly. Tarantino will tell you, I didn't... I, I, you know, I just thought it was cool, and I didn't never intended to have any idea as to what was in the briefcase. Yeah. This whole theory about Marcellus Wallace's soul—there's a the, podcast, yeah, uh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it all yeah. makes sense. Oh, that's and, right, yeah. And so it, yeah. <laughs> it becomes that, you know. Yeah, 
Well, I think yeah, yeah, it's 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 very thing-like in a way. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I think like there is some thought put in it. I mean, at one point, there's a scene in the where um, an eyelight is used to create to create a glimmer in everyone's eyes, mm-hmm. except for Palmer, who is the thing. Right. So there's some thought there, but the stuff with the pencil, I think, just fucking happened. Nobody paid attention to that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I believe. Yeah. But having said that, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Bigfoot, right? It's like <laughs> it's, it's, okay. it, in that in that whether he's real or not, kind of doesn't matter. What's more important is that people believe in him, and the sa- I think the thing uh, the same thing is true with with a movie like this. The fact that people think that this is what's going on. That becomes more important than what's actually there. Yeah, you get to the yeah a whole different life. It's it's, it's, a, it's a rather interesting phenomenon. Yeah, I love when that happens. Where like you, someone comes back and will go, "Hey, I noticed this and this," and you're like, "Wow!" I, yeah, and you're like, "What? Yeah, oh, you, you're giving me way too much credit." And then on that one, what does that make you do? You go back and you watch it again. Yeah, this is one of those movies that. I never tire of watching that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if I'm not in whatever that mood is, doesn't matter. If the thing is on, or if there's an opportunity for me to watch it, I, I that's that's what's going in. I oh love, hell yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's perfect ambiance too. Yeah, and you know even the stuff that like people are kind of like like I've heard people say you know well. You know, in this day and age, when we look at the Palmer transformation, it looks like a rubber mask bouncing back and forth. Whatever. Ah, come on. It's great, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's fantastic. One of the stories I heard that I loved is that Carpenter said that one of the bush pilots they were using, like some crazy bush pilot guy comes up and goes, like, hey man, for like 20 extra, I'll crash the plane. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, and at one point, one of the pilots, like they were, you can see uh, when they're going to get the sub, a scientist in the helicopter unit. Yeah, as the as it's taking off, it sort of flutters in the air for a second. Yeah, that was hit, the pilot, like looking at Kurt Russell and literally going, "Go ahead, men," <laughs> take, <laughs> and gave him the, the control. <laughs> gave him the controls. <laughs> Because that's what I love that stuff. The the documentary on the making of that movie is really good. Um, it suffers in that there wasn't uh, much documentation going on at the time. People didn't think about making the making of. Oh the no, movie. It's, it's a little alarming that the fact that there are, uh, there are very few um, photos documenting the effect, the actual uh, the sculpting and uh, the actual fabrication of the creatures. It's like mm-hmm. you've got you've got a, a handful of them you see like. Kind of regurgitated over and over again, but that's kind of it. Yeah, you see Botine like smiling with the sculpture of this, you know, twisted head. Well, uh, they didn't and, even and keep it. they didn't even keep production sketches and that kind of thing. So I read that in the 2011 thing, the production designers were using Kurt Russell's height for scale, using photos oh, yeah, 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 yeah. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. to make it match. Yeah, you know, and it's just that's crazy to just do something and. Then you don't document it. Have you seen the Mike Plug, um, uh, uh, uh conceptual drawings of like you know, how this how this scene's gonna work? Mike Plug does this like amazing <laughs> drawing of of how you're going to physically be. 
Oh yeah, yeah. And they show this guy. He's like with, with, with these handles. This guy's like uh, kind of like making the head extend out or or, or whatever. And uh, it, was, it was all very cool. I remember seeing that first in an issue of. Yeah, there was like that was that was, that was one of the best things on this. Wow, that's uh, yeah. And be, and be, yeah, no, I thought so too. Because it's Mike Plug. They're like you know they're cartoon figures here. They're like action. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's very, so cool. very you know, obviously he's a comic book artist, and so that come comes through in his depictions. That it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I I love this stuff. Um, a couple of things that kind of blew me away were were alternate castings. Um, for McGreedy, people approached Nick Nolte. No. Oh, my God. Je- <laughs> Jeff Bridges, Harrison Ford, Damn. and uh, Clint Eastwood. I laugh at all oh, these. I laugh at all That's these. That's hysterical. Except Clint Eastwood. Could you imagine? Clint Eastwood could have done this. I think Clint Eastwood wow. playing the commander would have been kind of cool. Uh-huh. Uh, but you need, I think, yeah, you can't go so old. Um, well, I mean, it was 1980. I mean, how old was? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, it was like uh, w- was that the era of any which way you can or any which way but loose and and that that stuff. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Or, or <laughs> Firefox. Firefox. Uh, oh, one yeah. of the names. Also, Kevin Klein was in the running. Oh my for god. Okay, uh, well, the right choice was made. One of the names for Gary was uh, Lee Van Cleef. And then one of the names... Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, that would have been cool. I could have seen that. I love Lee Van Cleef. Yeah. I'll even watch him in The Master. Dude, um, I love The Master. Oh, uh, oh, that's right. The names... Uh, Childs. Uh, Bernie Casey, which would have been cool. Oh, uh, my God. Isaac yeah. Hayes. And the uh, the argument wow. there was that Carpenter had worked with him on Escape from on New York. On Escape from New York. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Holder. The uncolon that guy. Come on, no. Ernie Hudson and uh, <laughs> Carl Weathers. Yeah, yeah holy shit! I'm yeah, I didn't know about these casting choices. This is pretty fast. This is pretty new to me. Uh, Donald Pleasance was an original choice for Blair. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, yeah. I love this line too. Wilfred Brimley laughed at Joe Polis's efforts to study what a biologist does, insisting, "quote This movie is about rubber and steam." All right. Um, I would like to take a moment to talk about the score. Yes. Uh, What a Razzie for the worst score that year. Oh my God! Are you serious? (laughs) I I, I only found that out today. (laughs) What? Amazing. It makes no sense. It's (laughs) so cool. Um, It's it's first of all Ennio Morricone, and so there's that. Yes. Um, Some of the score that was unused that Morricone wrote and recorded that wasn't used in this was used by Tarantino in Hateful Eight. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another movie set in the snow and isolation and and in a, a, a singular location. But mm-hmm. the bass, the double bass note mm-hmm. for the thing, it's like a heartbeat. Holy fuck! It, it, that's um, yeah. That's oh wow! No, no, I remember I had the album way way back when, and uh, yeah, I got left a bit of an impression. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, they uh, say yeah, and 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 you hear elements of that in music that's followed, and then certain industrial bands, things like that, that, that have sort of like borrowed from some of the, the the tone of that music and it's kind of and it's always kind of a nice thing to hear ah there, there's a there's a well, it's, it's, theme reference to this one. It, ta- yes. it taps into the whole prenatal thing 
Oh, it's yeah, uh, it's amazing. This is also cool. Not only Lee Van Cleef is Gary, but Jerry Orbach, Kevin Conway, Richard Mulligan, and Powers Booth. No. Oh my God. All right. <laughs> um. Said that. Just kind of clicking along. I love that uh, the character Windows showed up in glasses one day and just goes, from now on, everyone call me Windows. <laughs> 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 it's like, what? I did a set visit. <laughs> I did a set visit once on the film Animals from the Skip Inspector book. Yeah. And Naveen Andrews, his, his character was Vic. And I walk in, right, I go, hi, and I, Naveen, and he goes, stop me cold. Vic, please. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm all, Vic, please. <laughs> exactly. Um, Alec Baldwin was considered for Fuchs and Palmer. Mm. Um, I love this. I, I, I love this. G- Jay Leno, Gary Shandling, and Charles Fleischer all read for parts in the film as it's customary for studios to look at like stand-up comics for weird stuff. Could you mention the Ro- uh. Charles Fleischer did the voice of Roger Rabbit, <laughs> right? And, 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 and he was a weird-looking dude too. Yeah, that the things busting the door. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, sometimes that works to your advantage. Yes, I mean, uh, look at Eric Bana, you know, um, who was a comedian. Um, Eric Bana, yeah, Eric Bana, yeah. Chopper oh, Reed, oh, yeah, well, yeah, did yeah. not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the is when you when you look at movies like this, you know you measure how monolithic it is, partly be from the homages to it, all, right. all the different things that have spawned from it. Um, in in Studio ADI's case, you're looking at Harbinger Down, but beyond that, you're looking at music videos. You're looking at cartoons. We have a... Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, anime with a lot of uh, theme reference, visual references in it, like Wicked City in particular. Oh, yeah. Right. That's comes to mind. Uh, season one... Yeah, yeah, they had crawling heads and everything. Yeah. Season one, episode eight of X-Files, the, the op- episode Ice is a direct homage to this film. Yeah. It's the one in the, I want to say, submarine where they're stuck in the ice yes. and the intervu- introduction of the black oil. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is odd, um, and this has always bugged me. In, in this episode, if you are infected by this black oil, right. everyone around you, and you die, and everyone around you dies of radiation. But then later in the series, when Mulder gets infected by the black oil, he gets better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they they, they oh. give him like a tonic. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, that's a you know television. Know. You you know. know. Like you can go, Bobby Ewing comes back from the dead. So, <laughs> right. Uh, it says here Sid Sheinberg, the Universal executive, provided a completely different cut of the movie when it first aired on network TV. Have you ever seen it, Paul? That I've seen. It. I remember I was uh, uh, very keen on television edits of movies. Like I remember even things like The Road Warrior had a completely different opening and closing narration voice, and uh, they had in reinstated certain scenes into the film and there weren't anything terribly important that didn't really improve the film but it was always kind of interesting to see this alternate universe take on whatever it was they were showing but the thing was uh, um, that was put to the mill it was like they had this bizarre uh, these character introductions with a narrator it's like that's like a blah 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 he's, uh, he's here, here to escape a bad marriage or something sushi like, this is un- that's what my ex-wife <laughs> called me exactly, exactly. It's, it's so bizarre that 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 was done 
You know, I I don't okay. see it being done anymore. Um, but and it's also weird. Like you have like these nostalgic memories of movies, and you'll see like a version of a movie that either has a scene in it that you never see in in it again, or um, you you've never seen this scene, and then you see a different version of the movie. You're like, where the fuck did that come happens from? Happens a lot in trailers where you're yeah. like, where's that? When yeah, did that exactly. happen? Oh. Yeah, yeah. The one, the other thing that got me was at the time um, the producers wanted Carpenter to do this. Um, Universal said that they wanted Toby Hooper. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, oh. that just makes me laugh. Hooper is one of those guys that, huh. in my opinion, caught light in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Er, lightning in a bottle. Yep. And uh, and he was just lucky. You know, I, I I hate to say that, you know, because I'm sure he's... he's it's like, the strength of the idea that yeah, carries exactly. the chainsaw yeah. through. I mean, because we all, mm. know, we all know at this point, Poltergeist yeah. was largely Spielberg. Uh, also, William F. Nolan, um, the guy who wrote Logan's Run, yeah. did, did his uh, draft of the script. Huh. I don't know what you want to do with mm, that. I don't know. <laughs> I love that, that <laughs> Dean Kundi was the, the cinematographer in this. Because he, that guy knows, man. He knows how to, how to, how to um, project all these feelings just through the lighting and just through the camera movement. But we get the slow camera movements through the hallways where nothing and nothing's happening. Which right? works perfectly with that double bass note. We right, just right exactly. Bum bum. Yeah. It's like it it creates this impending it puts you on edge. It puts you on edge from mm-hmm. the very first moment that you hear it. And the, the the music in the background, it's all these minor chords that are taking these weird sevenths and stuff. That weird, love. all those weird strings. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is the internet in action right here. Uh, the script was by someone, <laughs> Bill Lancaster, whose father was an actor, Burt Lancaster. Yes. And who played the same character, Wyatt Earp, in an adaptation of a real-life event, The Gunfight of the O.K. Corral, mm-hmm. as did Kurt Russell in yet another adaptation called yeah. Tombstone. Yeah. How much time do you have? <laughs> uh, we talked about that. Oddly enough, it's, uh, I was reading that um, in the beginning scenes of Carpenter's film, when the guy, the Norwegian's yelling, I'm not going to say what he says, because that would be embarrassing, but the, re- the translation is, get the hell out of there, that's not a dog, it's some sort of thing, it's imitating a dog, it isn't real, get away you idiots. So, shows you the worth of having known a second language. Well, the, and, well and the great thing, <laughs> the great thing is that I, I'm sure somebody, it, it, it could have easily been, we're going to put the subtitles there to show what the Norwegian's yelling. Yeah. No. No. By having him just screaming and yelling, and we have no idea what he's talking about, it makes it because those guys... Yeah, it really up. ramps up the panic. You're going, what the hell is going on? Absolutely. Well, it puts the audience in the in the, in the the boots of them. Like, what is this guy saying? Yeah, like, yeah that's just, part just, of it. Things have just, yeah, just uh, even dropped into this scenario. I find it interesting that in the video game tie-in from 2002... Um, it's revealed that McGreedy survives and is picked up by a search and rescue team while Child freezes to death. Carpenter has stated that the game is canon. Really? Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I never got onto playing that one. Yeah, I know. What is that? That's. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it though. There's this alien. What the fuck is it called? The, the latest alien game. I could see that with a with a a template of the thing over it because it's a lot of stalking through hallways and sure not sure and. Well, I you know, like we said, like like this this is ripe for you know, I, could you imagine the thing in oh, I don't know, uh New York. Could you imagine the thing in you know, it, like someplace I guess I guess you can't do that because there's so many people, you're screwed. Like yeah. there's no there's, there's pretty no, much that would be it. Yeah, yeah that would be yeah. civilization. It's only a matter of days. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh I, I had that written down. Um this this is a story I love. Uh there's an actor comedian at the time named Franklin Ajayi. Um he came to read for Knowles, but instead critiqued Carpenter for 15 minutes on the stereotypical nature of Knowles as a black character. Wow. And the, and the, 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 oh, meet, the meeting just kind of ended. According to calculations, it will take 3.02 years for worldwide infection. I think that, those, that changes if you drop it in New York. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Much different. Um, you know, we were talking about um, this this inspiring um, different things. Um, have either of you ever seen um, a, uh, a music video for a, a a band? Or I hesitate to call it a band. It's a it's like a DJ and a drummer um, called Zombie Zombie is the name of the band. Mm-hmm. It's a GI oh. Joe stop motion. Retelling of oh I have yeah I have <laughs> and it's great yeah. it's awesome. it really is amazing yeah there's also Pingu you remember Pingu the stop motion yeah yeah, 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 yeah yeah there's a thing that inspired Pingu <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's fantastic lost my train of thought one of the things that um, I love about the Carpenter film. As 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 a uh, you know sometime effects guy is the fact that it's kind of like punk rock music, right? Somebody plays punk rock and you're a kid and you go, "Fuck, I can do that." <laughs> you look at this movie and the very first time you watch it as a kid, you're like, "Oh my god, how did they do that?" But then later, as an adult, you're like. I know exactly how they did that, and that's amazing. Yeah. And it makes you want to do stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's very, very inspirational. It's hugely inspirational. Did it? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. Plays a large point in why my stuff looks the way it does, even if I'm just drawing. Right. Yeah, there's something about the gluing aspects of things. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that's why it was. I think it was so brilliant bringing you on board. Yeah. There's no one else that that we could think of that needs to talk about this movie than you because you your work, like I look at your work and it's like all this stuff from the thing <laughs> has been expanded and realized it got out. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> always releasing it onto the world. Um, also, you can see the influence in that oats thing. That just that. Oats film. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, the Neil Blomkamp thing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, I forget the name of it. It's the one with the the Fanning kid. Yeah, it's that big 
conglomeration of limbs. Very sort of uh, Screaming Mad George. Yes, as yeah, well. yeah, like, yeah. Only the big like head that's uh, basically all a big ball of eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. It's like hundreds of fingers reaching for a button instead of one finger. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I love this. Richard Mazur, who played Clark, I believe. Yeah. Number one, the only human that dies. Right. At another it's, human's hand. Shot in the head. Um, had a choice between this role in um, uh, the thing. Uh huh. Or a role, a major role in E.T., e- and he turned it E.T. down because he thought the carpenter no. was a more oh. successful <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, you know, if you're an actor looking to get your, your yeah, you know. I, I, but, I, like, I, he improvised the you got to be fucking kidding me line. Like and that was Fuchs. That was Fuchs that did that. You right. gotta be fucking right. kidding me. You're right. Oh no, 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 that was Palmer actually said that. Oh Palmer, god damn it. We're <laughs> all wrong. <laughs> I, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> who is who? Wait a minute. It's like we don't know who's who. <laughs> and that's the funny thing too. I remember for the longest time it seemed like only me and my brother Kurt were the only people that we knew anyway that knew all the characters and knew the dialogue and, mm. and we we loved it all and it was like there's no one else we could really relate to and at least until a little bit later for me when I began meeting people in the FX biz and who would be quoting from the movie. I'm like, oh my God, you, you just said what you just said. <laughs> oh, and, then, and then being in ADI and hearing everyone quoting, you, you, you know, <laughs> from the film right and left, you know, I'll kill you. I'm like, yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, if we're outside and it's really cold, I'll, I'll look at my, my wife and go, I know I'm human. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, For me, it's always it's weird and pissed yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so good. Uh, well, I'll watch yeah. him. Clo- when I watch Clark and watch him closely, hear him weed. So awesome, man. man. Yeah. yeah, I just love it. Um, we don't care about that. We don't <laughs> care about that. I always loved the idea that Wilford Brimley was out in this shed digging a hole in the ground and building, <laughs> building a spaceship under the well, ground. Well, they, they, they kind of say straight up, like, early on. Like, he got infected super early on. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's what all about. Uh, Universal received a $25,000 fine for improper use of titles because of the Rob Bottin's effects credit on all the films. Wait, what? Yeah. Rob Bottin's effects credit at the film's end caused Universal to receive a $25,000 fine for improper use of titles. I don't know what that means. Like, they they mm. used uh, a logo they shouldn't have? Or? Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know. Shot on 40 days on stage and 17 on location. I'm just whipping through And here. it was in the middle of summer and it was really hot and these dudes would like get tired of like changing out of their parkas so they would go stand outside uh, at, at Universal Studios, and, and and the buses would go by. And look at all these idiots standing around in a hundred degrees wearing parkas. Park. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, the one thing that always ha- did bug me about this film is the introduction of the flamethrower. Like, I'm trying to think what what you're going to use that for. Why wh- why was there a flamethrower yeah. there? And someone on the internet mm-hmm. proposed that, like, de-icing thing. Absolutely. So yeah. that, that okay, now I, you're all right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I'd be interested to see if real-life outposts in Antarctica have them, but I, that's, the, that's, that's what I rationalize. Well, it's whoever like. they get from, I mean, they're clearly faulty. They always sputter at the wrong fucking <laughs> minute. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, don't... <laughs> 
Um, I liked in the, this film that the Norwegian camp scenes in the Carpenter's film were filmed after they had burnt down their the American camp. So they filmed the American no, camp, burnt it right. down, and then they were like, oh, this is the Norwegian camp. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I love the Norwegian camp scenes because it's like a... Uh, it's like stepping onto a ghost ship, mm-hmm. you know. That's and, a great analogy. Mm, and it's, yeah, and it's yeah. filmed that way, and it feels that way. And by the way, the Whitlock um, matte paintings in this film. Oh my god, they're, they're amazing. Amazing. I mean, yeah. that shot of the of the ship in the ice. Uh, oh yeah, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful, man. I, I wish I wish movies were made this way now. I don't think they would do well because I think everybody's gotten so used to the camera being able to go everywhere and do everything. Mm-hmm. And it's it's those big John Ford things. Yeah, John man. Ford shots. Um, we always talk about the like the Hitcher, the Eric Red, the Hitcher. Oh my God! Those big giant. And you get this in the thing. You get those big giant panoramas. Yeah. You haven't you haven't seen that mm. kind of shit since Kurosawa, right? Yeah, those right, right. Big right. giant vistas. Yeah. Fucking amazing. All right. Did uh, you ever heard Rob Bottin tell the story about? About uh, a whole effect going up in flames. Yeah, I have notes on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's on fire. <laughs> um, I, by oh the my way, God. yeah, it, it just sounded. Uh, yeah, and I just uh, I was just watching the interview with him, and just, some of the things that you know, when things would go wrong, they have to spend another day just resetting the entire effect and all that. It was. You know, uh, this movie is the reason why John Carpenter thinks that effects guys are such prima donnas. Is <laughs> <laughs> because of this movie. Because it took so long to set everything up. Sure. But in the end, man, I, like just the just the imagination, like that Norris thing, you know, like that's yeah. like oh, it's on the it. ceiling. And the fact that it was a, yeah, sort of a, it was a double thing. The fact that you had him uh, laying on the table. With his, with his chest open after it had ripped off the guy's arms, and now there's this horrible thing that spews out of him, dangling fetally from you know one of the ducts or whatever on, on the top of the ceiling. It's, yeah. it's just magnificent. And just the and again the face in that damn thing is so beautiful. Um, oh. and, and and again and on on the thing on the table again when the head stretches off, it's just oh. uh, easily one of the best like severed head effects I'd ever seen. That, and that. Uh, a lot of it due to the lighting too. I thought. Oh my God! The whole the whole scene is 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 beautiful and amazing, and the shot that always gets me is once his head is pulled off and it starts dripping down the side of the desk or the oh, table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so, like, nice. Whoa. so here we go. Uh, in the scene where Norris's head separates from his body, Rob Oteen used highly flammable materials for the construction of the interior of the head and neck models. During the shoot, Carpenter decided that for continuity reasons, they needed some flames in the scene. Without thinking, they lit a fire bar, and the whole room, which was by now filled with flammable gases, caught fire. Nobody got hurt, but the entire special effects model on which Oteen had been working for months was destroyed. Yep. And he had to what a bitch. redo it. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so clearly, <laughs> dude, it's and it's great because having Paul here is the ability to go like, no, this is what 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 at least they were getting on the on the 2011 thing. Yeah. Um, but we have would to you, with that with that in mind, Paul. If somebody came back to you and said, "Hey, man, we want to go back and we want to do it again, and we want to do it quote unquote right," would you? Um, I, 
be very motivated to, to uh, um, jump on board on that one, sure. Yeah. <laughs> see, I'd be uh, very yeah, motivated. Yeah, I'd be very motivated. Uh, no. uh, what's your budget? What does astound me, too, is how young Botine was when he was on that. Like, yeah. he was early 20s. Yeah. By all reports, it almost killed him. Yeah, yeah, he, I remember, oh. yeah. I remember the yeah. He was saying, "I so, says so, so I worked so hard it put me in the hospital." Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they uh, by the was, way, you do a very good Robbo team. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, he had been diagnosed with um, uh, exhaustion. Well, I mean, it got to the point where, and and I think anybody who's worked on a on, 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 in film long enough, you've worked on a film like this where you wind up. You sleep at the set. You don't go home. You 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 know you do all these horrible things, um, and that was this movie for him. From yeah. what I understand. Well, he also intended to play Palmer because he had played a character in The Fog. Yeah, he but played the crew, yeah. but the crew balked. Effects yeah. uh, man Roy Arbogast was so furious at this intention that he threatened to quit. Um, Botine and Arbogast fought the entire time, yeah. supposedly, um, because Botin replaced a friend of Arbogast's oh. on, on the shoot. Oh, my God. Wow. Hired I didn't know that. Hired yeah. someone else. Yeah. So, lots of things, yeah. I know, right? Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, we can go on and on shit. Um, <laughs> what, what are you working on, dude? Like, Paul, what are you working on now? Just hanging out? And uh, yeah, I'm doing some, yeah, I'm doing some work for Sideshow right now that I, I'm... Um, not able to uh, talk about it right now, but it's, uh, it's a wonderfully detailed creature-related piece, um, of course. <laughs> so yeah. It's been, it's, been, it's, been mo- it's been taking up most of my time. and uh, uh, it's, it's, it's been a pretty extraordinary summer, actually. Dude, after 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 Swamp Thing, Sideshow, they should just give you the keys. Dude, that Nyra look, whatever. Oh, I mean, my God, dude. It's dude, amazing. That thing is nuts, man. Yeah, that, that good job. I, I love, and I, dude, I have to commend you on how free you are with, like, your, you know, your sketchbooks and your drawings and just your, your noodlings and, and just watching you discover the, the Photoshop thing where now it's, like, animating some of his drawings. Oh, oh my that, God! That, that that I, I have to give uh, that's uh, I have to give uh, credit to Travis Louie, the artist Travis Louie, for turning me onto that to the photo state thing, and because um, he's been doing it for a few years now, and I thought, well, what is that? And the one morning we just got talking, we've been talking very frequently. He'll uh, just uh, hit me up in the morning about things, and um, and he turned me onto this, and it took some experimentation because I find if you a photograph usually works pretty well, but I find if it's a drawing, you really have to define the lips, otherwise the thing just does not, the mouth does not move. And you just get this weird sort of like oobling around at the lips and all that stuff, so I've been, uh, been figuring it out. It's, <laughs> it's very cool. It reminds me of the, what was, remember the, what was the old animated thing where they just animated the mouths? They were clutch puppets? cargo. Oh, clutch, clutch, car- clutch cargo. Yeah, clutch oh my cargo. God. It was so demented. I remember seeing that as a kid and going, what is up with that? And then later, um, there was a, another cartoon around the, the same company called Space Angel. Same thing. You know, they oh, had my these, God. Um, yeah, I remember they, uh, they brought that back in the 80s, I remember. I remember it was like, uh, uh, like I was watching Star Blazers, and one day, like, oh, no, no, they switched over. Now this was in a place. I'm like, what is this? Uh, and it, 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 was, it struck me as a little peculiar at the time. But fascinating. The, the fact that it was an era when everything was being tried out, whether it was claymation with Gumby yeah, or yeah. bizarre little uh, experiments. Like, they called it Synchrovox. That was the name of that, uh, yeah. that particular um, it was mode great, of animating. It was a great way to save money. I mean, you really weren't animating. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. You, you, no, no, yeah, they were, they were scarcely animated yeah. themselves. And you would think they, they would be... That arrow. 
These days they'd be able to green screen that out and do whatever. Oh, it's, it, you can do it so easy these days. And in fact, people do. that. The, who's the dude who made uh, 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 Kung Fury? Not Kung Fury. Um, um, the other one. Um, you're losing Kung me. Pao. Oh, yeah. Day of the Fist. You know, he made a whole bunch of those, like, where your mouth is, like, replay. I, <laughs> they're silly. Hey, man, at this last year's uh, Crypticon, there was a book for sale. And it's called The Thing Art Book. Um, and it's art, it's just page after page oh. of art inspired oh inspired by The Thing. And uh, it's, 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 a, it's a hefty tome. And it's like, um, I want to say it's like 30, it's 40 bucks. Um, it, uh, but I, I think people should definitely check it out. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll uh, hunt that one down. I'll oh, just, yeah. yeah. It, it's... Uh, it is amazing. I was looking through it. I'm like, where's Paul's stuff? Where's, I know he's got to be in here. I know he's got to be in here. Um, but yeah, uh, so uh, people should definitely check that out. Um, man, this movie. I, the thing, yeah. It, it's it's important stuff. It's like one of those cornerstones of people's viewing, you know, that were really. Yeah, another, another, yeah, another film where I, it was the first time I'd seen a lot of the actors that were in it. That, uh, you know, and of course, you know, as life goes on, a long enough timeline, he starts saying, "Hey, it's a film with this guy in it, or, yeah. or whoever." Well, I, and you I, always kind of like, it always comes back to the thing. Hey, there's, there's um, the guy played Gary here, or there's, yeah. Well, that's the that's the thing. You know, when Tom was talking about the the, the alternate casting decisions earlier, I was thinking to myself, like, I, I'm really glad they didn't do that because almost all those people were known at the time, mm-hmm. and. By going with actors that I didn't really know, other than Kurt Russell mm-hmm. um, and and Richard uh, Masser, because he had been on that one day uh, at a time. One day TV at a time. Day, so I knew who he was. Um, but uh, you know, and like Paul says, they all become familiar to me over time in other movies that they played in. But yeah, um, it was always exciting whenever I'd see Charles Hallahan and anything else after that. Yeah, know? right. The guy who played Norris. Yeah, yeah. Like he was in Twilight. Twilight's on the movie in this brief scene. Well, it's a nice collection of what we call like movie helper. It's all these yeah, ger- yeah, journeymen. What um, is what's the name of the character? The redheaded guy, the balding redheaded guy, who has the crazy hand thing going on when they douse him with gas. Uh, the bald guy. Yeah. Oh, well, well, I know. I know you're talking about, oh, but I don't know the name offhand. Okay. It makes like great sound. Yeah. That's, yeah, and I was going to bring that up. That 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 sound almost becomes iconic as like the roar of the thing. It's so much so yeah. that they used it in 2011 when Joel mm-hmm. uh, Edgerton gets killed at the end. Uh-huh. It's like Whoa! well, supposedly at the end they they the studio wanted an assurance like make sure we show that the thing dies, and so they inserted the scream. Yeah, the scream at the end. Yeah, oh. at the end, but not the mm. one that the, that guy enters. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. clearly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, go back to our episode 175. We 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 talk with Paul in depth about his art, about Paul and yeah. and his being. <laughs> Thanks again for doing this, dude. You you are uh, you, absolutely. You have a standing invite. invitation. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever? If you ever think of something you want to talk about, and we haven't contacted you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, let hell it, yeah. Let yeah, us know. Oh. Yeah. Awesome, dude. All right, so we're going to take a break, and I found, speaking of The Thing, I found an old Phil Harris song called The Thing. The Thing. That is kind of fun. Here you go. 
while I was walking down the beach one bright and sunny day. I saw a great big wooden box a-floating in the bay. I pulled it in and opened it up, and much to my surprise, ooh, I discovered a... Right before my eyes, ooh, I discovered a... Right before my eyes, I picked it up and ran to town as happy as a king. I took it to a guy I knew who'd buy most anything. But this is what he hollered at me as I walked in his shop. Oh, get out of here with that. Before I call a cop. Oh, get out of here with that. Before I call a cop. I turned around and got right out of running for my life. And then I took it home with me to give it to my wife. But this is what she hollered at me as I walked in the door. Oh, get out of here with that. And don't come back no more. Oh, get out of here with that. And don't come back no more. Okay, so. Man, you know. Thanks again, Paul, for coming on. Yeah. That's amazing. There's so many things we didn't get to. Um, I, I, I do. I, 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 you know, not tomorrow or not next week, but one of these days we got to come back to the come thing. back. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, I had so many notes, and it was just like <laughs> I, as we were do- talking with Paul, I kept going like, "Well, that's that's too big of a can of worms to open," <laughs> and so is that, and so is that, and so yeah. Thanks again. Uh, moving on to second hour stuff, we'll talk about people who died. Yes. Randy Weston, jazz pianist. Um, this guy was uh, a big deal in a lot of worlds. Um, Carol Shelley. She was one of the uh, the Pigeon Sisters from The Odd Couple. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Conway Savage. He was the keyboard player for Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Yeah, yeah. That was... Uh that was heavy. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those peop- things where the people that I found that were affected most were, of course, Nick Cave fans. But right. a lot of other people, like, I, I'm i not a Nick Cave, big Nick Cave guy, so... Uh-huh. Um, You're wrong, but... Yeah, I, <laughs> I just haven't been... I Maybe that's this weekend. I'll, I'll dive deep in, a, in Nick Cave and report back. Uh, let's see, Jacqueline Pierce. She was an actress who had appeared on things like Doctor Who and Blake Seven. I was going to say I know the name, but I, I wasn't sure why. Uh, the the dead wrestler of the week is uh, Lee Wang Pyo. He's a South Korean wrestler and MMA fighter. I I feel like almost this this segment should be called Dead Wrestler of the Week. <laughs> there literally is a dead wrestler every week. And it's crazy. Uh, Richard DeVos, um, co-founder of Amway. Oh, okay. I don't know if he's related to uh, Betsy DeVos. I don't know. Uh, so but, um, cult, cult leader dies. Yeah, Amway. Um. Mac Miller, he's a rapper. They think that he overdosed. Mm. And then... By the way, did you see that they finally, many, many months after the fact this week, released the details of uh, Dolores O'Riordan's death? Uh, yes. Yeah, she apparently drank herself into a stupor and fell, fell asleep in the bathtub and drowned. That's apparently what happened. Horrible. Um, a name that most people don't know, and this was a guy named Will Jordan... He's from the early 60s. His whole deal was impersonating Ed Sullivan. So when Ed Sullivan went off the air and then died, nothing. (laughs) This guy's got nothing. Right, right, right. But he just died. Um, And then the two biggies this week. Number one, Bill Daly from I Dream of Jeannie. Yep. Major Healy. Major Healy. And uh, from the Bob Newhart show. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. one of the funniest things on two legs. Yeah, reminds me a lot of people like Fred Willard. Sure, you know, just genuinely funny. Yeah, 
Yeah, and then the the monolith that passed this week was Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds, yeah. Didn't can't say I didn't see that coming. No, I mean, uh, you know, he was he was elderly and and. Uh, well, he was just on a press tour for Adam Rifkin's new movie about uh, an aging action, the last, not the last action hero. It's called the last movie star, star I yeah. think. And and he he. He goes to this small film festival thinking it's a much bigger deal, and it's not. Yeah. And then, but then he winds up forging friendships and things. And, yeah, and all like, that stuff that happens in movies. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, uh, but he was frail. At all the press things I saw, he he was looking super frail. Yeah, and you know, he he had been cast in Tarantino's. Uh, once Upon a Time in L.A., mm-hmm. which is coming up, the, the, the you know, what's being dubbed as the Manson movie. I don't know how much it's yeah. going to have to do with Manson. Um, but he passed away before his parts could be filmed. So right. it'll be interesting to see who replaces him. Someone else. In super that. iconic. Uh, they, uh, Tarantino did just uh, cast a guy to play Manson. Um, and he's also playing Manson in something else. So this guy seems his cottage industry seems to be playing Manson. Yeah, you either you know you either imitate um, Ed Sullivan or you uh, <laughs> or you play Charles Manson <laughs> so as your career. That's so funny. Uh, let's see. Moving on to news. <clears throat> At a Weird Al show in L.A. Weird Al, the Aquabats, Puddles the Clown, and Sex Pistols guitar player Steve Jones. Steve performed. Jones, man. Fucking A, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that would have been really cool to see. Man, the Aquabats are fucking Aquabats. cool. Like, they're not only goofy and fun, but they're really good musicians. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Hey, and they're super rad, Tom. Yeah, they are super rad. They are. Um, but I just one of those things you hear about and you just go, man, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, Die Hard 6 has a title. It's called McLean. How about, let's call it D-O-A. Yeah, I'm on <laughs> <laughs> my hip hurts. Die hard. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think, from what I can tell, this is a torch-passing film. Wait, the, Die Hard has a sixth film and the thing only has a two yeah. movies? Like, I know. No, there is, there's no justice. <laughs> uh, Arrow is putting out a Crimson Peak limited Blu-ray and it's loaded with features. Loaded. Okay. So that's exciting. You know, it's it's frustrating with stuff like that because I, I shelled out big bucks for the uh, the gold edition you know, way back when. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. And now there's the third season well, it's and the all this other stuff. Army, uh, Army of Darkness stuff, where yeah, it's like it's suddenly like, it's like, here's another thing you don't have. Yeah. That, you know, Hey, do you got the boomstick edition? Yeah, yeah, or Do yeah. you got the, the, the primitive screwhead edition? Do you have... Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, hilarious. Uh, opening in London, um, an ABBA-themed restaurant called Mamma Mia. Okay. Please right. make them sing. Make just make it just so ridiculously dopey and and make I, it. Yeah, I think that's the only way it works, right? Yeah, it's it's kinda like, kinda if I go, <laughs> am I if if I'm going to make that trek, I, uh, I want the just to be served by a guy named Fernando. Yeah. You know, it's not his real name, right? But exactly. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Henry Cavill has been cast in this NBC, uh, in this Netflix series, The Witcher, based off a video game. Yeah, um, I, I saw that. Um, I thought that was interesting because I because th- I feel like here's a guy that's kind of, I think at this point can probably write his own check, you know. Yeah. Uh, 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 so and seems to be avoiding 
the curse yes. of being Superman. Yes, yes, yes. Because yeah. everyone that's played Superman, it's not done their career a whole lot of good right. in the long run. Yeah. But I think w- between this, his role in this, and the way he knocked it out of the park in, in the new Mission Impossible, you know. Oh, and Man from Uncle. And the Man from Uncle, yeah. yeah. Man from Uncle, I... I love that movie. Yeah, that's a great Again, movie. Again, yeah. Daniel Pemberton, dude, with the music scores. Yeah. He's just nailing it. Um, Apple TV has um, commissioned a series based on Isaac Asimov's Foundation trilogy. I could care. I, 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 that's I, super I sci-fi. I know, it's super That's it's, super it's, nerdy it's sci-fi text. stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember as a kid, man, this teacher trying to turn me on to the Foundation trilogy, and I'm just like... Dude, yeah, this is homework. Is anybody wearing loincloths and swinging a sword? No, no I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just one of those things. It was always one of those things that you know you knew it was deep. Yeah, deep techy yeah. sci-fi. Stuff. It seems like a lot of work for me. But uh, but but uh, having said that, that's me myself. Sci-fi fans should be. Reversed. Oh, I'm sure they're yeah. salivating yeah, yeah, at that yeah. news. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Robert Conrad, he of the Wild Wild West series. Yes, yes. Well, I was l- stumbling around the internet, and I found reports that he is living in L.A., and he's going around... Picking fights with people with a bat. Fights. Oh, no, I was joking. Are you serious? <laughs> he's, getting, he's getting allegedly drunk, picking fights in full dementia... And, oh and no. his family's kind of not. No one's kind of corralling, or he, no one. He's not listening. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. But there are all these instances of him going to wow. bars and picking fights. Do you remember his uh, his uh, his spy TV show? He had a no. Oh my god, dude! He had a show called. Uh, I remember Bob Bob Black Sheep. No, he had a show called like The Man from Something or or. Oh, oh I have to look this up. I'll oh, look yeah. this up. There's, there's I like him as an actor. He has a sidekick who has like a robotic hand. <laughs> of course he does. Yeah, yeah. I just remember him being a complete prick on the Battle of the Network Stars. Oh yeah. Yeah, just an asshole. He was a hugely competitive dude. Yeah. When, when you're when you're grinding Gabe Kaplan over your runtime, it's like, come on. Yeah. Well, do you remember that the SNL skit where he's like running around with the battery yeah. on his Knock shoulder? Knock it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, why? While you look that up, I'm going to say that they wrapped um, they ra- wrapped up Adventure Time. So yeah, that whole series comes I to an end. Yeah, and, and that's going to be a big deal for a lot of people. For a lot of people. It's it's as if they were to... Can't, I mean, imagine when Rick and Morty finally ends. Right. You're going to get a lot of people that are really, really bummed. Um, Steve Gutenberg says you can expect a brand new reboot of Police Academy. I And if that's the case, I want to see the Drew Struzan poster. Because <laughs> Drew Struzan did all those posters for the Police Academy movies, and it was like it was like that old thing of like you know it's the cast of thousands, you got mm-hmm. all the faces there, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember in the Drew Struzan documentary, Gutenberg saying, "Hey man, if we ever go back, like this guy has to do the poster." Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, speaking of which, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about Drew Struzan's poster for The Thing. Right. Which is uh, an amazing piece of work because he was given he was given no no guidance. Like the, like not n- no stills from the movie. Mm-hmm. N- nothing whatsoever. And he d- did this silhouette of a guy in a parka with like this just light coming out of his face. It was perfect. It's perfect for The Thing. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, and and he had to do it like overnight. Yeah, he did know. it overnight. Yeah, that's very crazy. Cool. Very cool. Uh, New York Fest, New York Festival scheduled Steve Bannon to speak, and uh, Jim Carrey, Judd Apatow, John Mulaney, among others, canceled. And then New York uh, Festival cancels Steve Bannon. So that's fun. Well, you know, I. I kind of wouldn't want to show up there. I agree. Either, I know. totally agree. Uh, this is interesting and, and oddly collaterally related. Coming to, I, th- I think they said NBC, um, Law and Order Hate Crimes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Kind of timely. Yeah, absolutely. And I could see it going, like, getting... I could see that, like, really causing a lot of waves yeah. and... and, and uh, uh, I kind of look forward to that. Yeah, it's very interesting. The name of uh, Robert Conrad's spy TV show was called A Man Called Sloan. Uh, I have heard of this. Yeah. But yeah, that sounds great. I'm it, in. It's, there was only 12 episodes. It was like one season. But it was very cool. It, yeah. you got to check it out. Uh, let's see. During the week, I read an article that there was going to be a new Dead Can Dance record without Lisa Gerard. And then the record company released a press release that said, wait a minute, no, 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 with, with Lisa Gerard. Lisa Gerard, yeah. So a new Get Dead Can Dance. Yeah, that's, I'm in. that's very cool because both she and... Um, Brendan Perry? Brendan Perry have have had really cool careers apart from each other. Um, I, it, it'd be really cool to hear mm-hmm. what they do what they together. Do, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way they work is really fascinating in that they work kind of over Skype and the internet. Yes, exactly. And that's yeah. very cool. Um, Timothy Dalton was cast as the chief in DC Streaming's Doom Patrol, mm-hmm. which is, again, big news in someone's world. Uh, Len Wiseman, who did the Underworld films and a bunch of other shit, um, has taken the helm of uh, DC streaming Doom Patrol. Wait, is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, they cast. Uh, no, that's wrong. That he, what no, he took the rain role, the reins of Swamp Thing. Oh, Len Wiseman took the yeah, role yeah, of yeah, Swamp yeah, Thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. And no, they no, cast no. Crystal Reed, who is in Teen Wolf, and she played Sophia Falcone in Gotham as Abby Arcane. Well, I, okay. So sorry about that. I'm sorry. You know, I, Underworld. Um, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's call it what it is. It's a mas- Vampire the Masquerade. Right, right. I, transcription. I, and, and, and I think it was cool. Um, I'll be honest, I enjoy the... Uh, making of Underworld mm-hmm. videos more than I do the movies mm-hmm. themselves. I do think that the, um, like a lot of franchises like the very first Underworld movie is probably way better than any of the sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, okay. Cool. I yeah, Swamp Thing? I, Swamp Thing, yeah. I, I think he'll, he, he'll get it. I think, you know, I think that... Yeah, better use Paul's uh, I know, right? conceptual design mm-hmm. for Sideshow as the... As the as the creature, as as Swamp Thing. Yeah, I I think that uh, I think they get it, and that why and when I say they, I remind you that if this is DC streaming, so this is the people who own the character saying we're gonna we're not gonna wait for some producer to come and say how about a Swamp Thing movie? We're just gonna do it, right? And and yeah, that's yeah, kind of yeah. cool. Uh, Marvel's Kevin Feige says to expect more female-led MCU movies. Okay. In the future, which is great. 
um, the guy who produced It Follows um, is remaking the uh, Norwegian film Goodnight Mommy, which was a big deal it was for a, big, a while there. That was, a, that was one of those... Uh, that was like a harbinger of this... Uh, new kind of horror film that yeah. we've been seeing. Um, a lot of them made through A24. A24. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to watch it because I like the original. But Yeah, I didn't like the original, no, so I'm okay. not going to watch it. Alright, cool. Um, I thought that there was... It just... It, it left a lot on the table. And it, that frustrated me. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was given an expanded 18-episode or order from ABC or NBC. And that's mm-hmm. good news. And finally, the director of Are You Afraid of the Dark, um, the film they're doing based on the TV, uh, the TV series, yeah. says the film is going to be more akin to things like Monster Squad and Gremlins. Okay. Which I'm in. Now's the time for it. Yeah. yeah with, so the, with the success of Goosebumps yeah. and all this other stuff, this new... Uh, the house, things. Yeah. House uh, with clock in its walls or yeah. whatever. Which looks like a Harry Potter yeah, thing. Very uh, odd. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Moving on to trailers. First up, 22nd July, director Paul Greengrass in a docu- docudrama on that Norwegian dude that went to an w- island. Went to an island and, and just and shot it up. Killed a bunch of kids. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. looks really good. Yeah, it does look good. And it if anyone can get the tension inherent in all that, it's Paul Greengrass. He did all the uh, Bourne movies. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I was in immediately. Yeah. Once I figured out, oh, this is that story? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Torn from the headlines. As soon as, as soon as you see him like showing up on the island, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, that's yeah. that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next up, there was a new trailer for this zombie musical, Anna and the Apocalypse. Um, I'm on board for this. I totally am on yeah. board. Yeah, it looks cool. Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, one of the things where it was, you know, that's a, a common topic is like, what else do you do with a zombie film? Mm-hmm. We haven't we haven't seen a zombie musical, or at least I haven't yet. So I want to say there was one other something similar to that, and mm-hmm. there's been moments of people singing like uh, oh dead sure. right thing. But this thing is a whole on, mm-hmm. and in the cool thing is that the non musical parts look great. Yeah, yeah. It looks it looks like it holds its own as a musical, and it holds its own as a yeah. horror film. I I, I Dawn of the Dead or Shaun of the Dead with song. strong Shaun of the Dead vibes yeah. from this. Uh, I think that's probably intention intention unknown. Uh, next up, um, this one I'll tell you right now, I am in the bag for director director Julian Schnabel, who did Diving Bell and the Butterfly, who if you remember I said was one of my favorite films. Right. Uh, Willem Dafoe is Van Gogh. Yeah, it, this Dude. Looks, this looks fantastic. Um, so good. What's it called? Eternity um, at Eternity's Gate. At Eternity's Gate. Yeah. Um, yeah. It looks great. Um, Amazing. And it addresses all these questions about art and mental health and. Mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe's acting his ass off. Yeah, it looks like it obliquely addresses his uh, bisexuality. Sure, it addresses. There's that one character, the uh, Gregory Isaacs, who's like, "You are surrounded by people who are just shitty to you, and you need to get out of here." Yeah, um, yeah, it looks. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Across yeah, the board, this looks great. Uh, next up. Harmony Corinne directs Matthew McConaughey, Snoop Dogg, Isla Fisher, and Zac Efron in Beach Bum. This looks like McConaughey did a movie called Surfer Dude a while ago. Yeah. This just looks like Surfer Dude too. Yeah. It looks dumb and kind of I, dopey. But I, I'm not excited about this at all. Yeah. I, like, 
it's kind of like McConaughey said, I really want to do a stoner, a stoner movie, yeah. And I yeah. want and I would say to him, that shit's beneath you. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But also it's probably how that boy is. You know, yeah. all of this, what you're seeing in that oh, movie yeah, is yeah, probably yeah, how McConaughey yeah. really is. Playing bongos naked and, yeah. Yeah. Um, up next, this is the thing, the film out of all the trailers that really intrigued me because I love that the idea has never been, and I've never considered it, and that is that of a quote-unquote haunted boat. The movie is called The Boat, and it's about a guy who's on a small craft Finds a yacht in a in a in a bank of fog. Bank of fog. Thinks it's em- it's abandoned. Gets on board to check it out, and when he comes up uh, topside, his boat is gone. His boat is gone. And now the boat, seemingly adrift, is definitely heading towards bad shit. Almost yeah. as if it were. It was. It reminded me a lot of the the whole boat in H.R. Puffin stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks really interesting, and it looks. Uh, you know, from the trailer, from what I can tell, it can it can be going a couple different ways. Like he may just be stuck on this boat by himself, mm-hmm. and just these series of bad luck things keep happening. Like he gets locked into the, the cabin, bathroom, yeah. or. Did somebody lock it? Is yeah. the boat not really abandoned? Right. Is it a ghost? Is it? Yeah. A, it it's can, intriguing. It can go all these different places, so it looks very cool. Yeah, I just love the idea that I, I, as it was unfolding, I just kept going like, man, that is that is so outside the box. Yeah. Uh, up next, this is a trailer for a series um, called Camping with Jennifer Gardner. It's based on a TV series. Uh, I don't know how you get a series out of a couple going camping for the weekend. I put it on the list for one reason. Throughout the trailer, in the dialogue, repeatedly, various characters say, What the F? Right. And that really blew me away. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what? Like, Julia, uh, or Juliet Lewis is in it. Yes. And she's like... We can do whatever the f we want. Yeah. yeah. Who talks like that? I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, I'm willing to. I wonder about it. My children. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> next up, Anthony De Blasi, who used to be a partner, had partnered up a lot with Clive Barker, did that Dread movie, um, doing a movie called Extremity. Talk about extreme haunts. Uh, I'm thinking hard. I'm thinking hard. What, you don't remember this? This girl, they go on, they, they find an extreme haunt. She, she's a big thrill seeker, and she wants to test herself. So she goes to this haunt. It's one of those extreme haunts where they can touch you, right, they can right, rough right. you up, and something goes wrong. Something goes wrong. Yeah. I don't remember this one. Yeah, well, well there you go. <laughs> 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 Next up, uh, trailer for David Gordon Green's Halloween. Um, uh, you know, I there's part of me that's like, I like the first movie, and I really don't care about any of the other ones. Having said that, um, this looks good. Yeah, if yeah. It, if, if if this is going to be the one where she where Michael Myers is finally put to rest or what have you, right? Um, I'm in. Yeah, it's just like I was. I wasn't so into Friday the Thirteenth two and three, but I was in on four. Right. They promised me this guy, this motherfucker, was going to die. Yeah. So. Um, this looks good. I think it, it's it's at at one point, and I'm not a fan of Halloween. Um, at, 
it's it pays homage to the Carpenter film, but it also looks like it's moving the pegs around in yes. a different order. And I think mm-hmm. that looks great. Next up, a uh, trailer for a Netflix series called Norm Macdonald Has a Show. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. I, I, I love Norm. Yeah. Norm, for me, is one of those endlessly watchable people. Um, his delivery mm-hmm. is unlike anyone else's. Um, and he's he's just he's just funny. I mean, for lack of a better word, he's just because the shit that he says, yeah, content-wise, it doesn't have to be funny. Well, his like, but the way he does it, it's hilarious. Well, it's it looks like a duplicate of his YouTube show yeah. with Adam Egret, <coughs> who used to be the big booker or is the booker at the comedy store in right. LA but yeah. um, but I saw Jane Fonda there I saw Jane Fonda Chevy Chase yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, up next yeah I'm in I'm totally in sure um, up next this is a game trailer which I kind of threw you a curveball on this one it's for um, the sinking city but I included it because it's straight up Cthulhu yeah it's I um, knew you'd, you'd probably yeah, dig it it's beautiful I I I've been looking at it for a few weeks now, and uh, it's fantastic. I would love to see this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Even if it was CG, I would love to see this yeah, movie. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it and it's this this weird like the the water is above the city at yeah. one point, and then it it comes crashing down. And it made me think of um, the uh, 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 Mignola um, Golden Christopher Golden. Um, Book the drown, the drowning city. Uh-huh. I believe was the name. But anyway, yeah, it looks very cool. Um, kind of reminded me of a, of a Victorian dark city. Yeah. In a weird way. yeah, 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 yeah. I great. Yeah. I don't know. I'd probably die within the first five seconds of playing this game, but it looks great. Yeah. It's a uh, game, so I'm not gonna check it out more than that. But I, I, I want to see it turn into a movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, you know. Well. Sure enough. Go buy that game, kids. <laughs> uh, next up, Rory Culkin uh, go, returns to his family estate in search of a lost 78 record in The Song of Sway Lake. Yeah, um, so this is cool. It, 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 we get that um, that cool um, transgenerational relationship because it looks like you know we're, we're, we're building this relationship in three different ways. We've got this young kid coming back to... Um, the family, or, or her, anyways, and, and it looks like she's been living alone for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have this his buddy who is from Russia, um, and looking at that relationship too, and, and how somebody from somewhere else um, is bringing something new to the table. It, it looks cool. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. And then finally, um, director Ama Asante, who did Bell and A Way of Life, brings an interracial love story in World War II Germany called Where Hands Touch. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if it could have ever happened. Um, but it's uh, this girl is being recruited into the Hitler Youth. Um, she looks largely black. She mm-hmm. she she um she's m- she's mixed race. Mixed race but because she's not pure race. Right. It becomes so, an issue. Yeah, it becomes an issue and uh uh guy falls in love, dad is not happy about it. Romeo right. and Juliet thing yeah, pops up. Yeah, yeah I'm in. Um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm in the mood for a World War Two love drama. Yeah. This yeah. is my baby. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to what we've been watching? What have you been watching? Um, 
What have I been watching? I watched 1922. Did I talk about that last week? No. Okay. You talked uh, to me about it in class. Yeah, um, I watched 1922, the, uh, the the movie based on the Stephen King short story mm-hmm. starring... On Netflix. On Netflix starring Thomas Jane. Dude, it's amazing. It, it's it looks amazing. It looks... Fa- uh, it, it looks... It w- it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it has the creepy vibe down. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, and it is... The score is really s- cool. Oh, I listen to the score. It's so true to the story, too. And it's just... It's fantastic. So if you haven't... If you haven't seen it, Netflix streaming, 1922. So good. Right on. Uh, we, I, we watched... My wife and I sat down and watched The Thing and The Thingy mm-hmm. in preparation for this show. Yeah. And then we've been, other than that, we've been watching, there's a new season of The Great British Bake Show. And my wife went to culinary school and, and is a baker. So we sit and we eat our dinner and we eat our, she just made cake last night while we were watching it. Nah. And uh, yeah, just sitting around and eating ca- eat cake and hanging out. Nice. And so, but it w- again, it was very interesting to show her the thingy because she'd never seen it. She's right. a big fan of the thing. And it was interesting to sit and watch, not only rewatch the thingy, but also watch her reaction to it. Yeah. That was really great. Yeah. Uh, moving on to books. You got anything? Um, no, I haven't been reading anything. Uh, I picked up a... It's a collection of shorts, four short stories by Ian Fleming. It has Octopussy and Living Daylights. And it's remarkable how bad it is. Not short horror stories. Short stories. Short stories. Okay. Did I say short horror stories? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Sorry. Yeah. Short stories based around like at one point it's uh, octopusy vaguely resembles the film. Right. 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 What have you? And it's interesting. It's interesting to see the guy writing what he ultimately kind of threw away. Yeah. Um, those stories only got harvested because they needed franchises for right but whatever there's that and then um, I picked up a book at the local comic book store it's a Japanese edition of something called Dark and Fantasy Art loaded with people I've never heard of um, I'll, I think Chet Zar though is in the book mm-hmm. but it's b- every page is be- yeah is beautiful it's um Dark and fetish art. Dark, yeah, I, I said fantasy. Yeah. I apologize. It's dark and fetish art, and it's just a ton of artists doing amazing it's, shit. It's amazing, and you know, it's, it's it's the kind of thing that makes you go, "Well, I'm not even going to try." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like holy it's just crap. Abs- every page is there's a there's a scene there of the of it's an orgy scene of humans with rabbits heads yeah I have I actually have this print at home and it's amazing it's absolutely amazing so yeah dark and fetish art Um, uh, there is no uh, uh, author or editor on it so look it up I found it on on Amazon as as well moving on to music got anything so I (coughs) in preparation for the thing and also um, inspired by a conversation that I had uh, with somebody, um, I've been listening to a lot of um, a lot of uh, early '70s bubblegum um, music. Nice. And, oh, and and so, but but of a particular bent, the tragic song, um, um, the storytelling song, "Run, Joey, Run." Yeah. Um, Billy, don't be a hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. stuff, and it also led me to what I think is probably one of the most Frightening songs I've ever heard, and and made me think of the thing, and that is Paul Anka's "Having My Baby." Oh, it's so weird. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so Feel weird. growing inside. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's so creepy. It is so. 
The, Bobby Goldsboro, I mean, look at Lucy Goldsboro is watching Scotty grow. It's just like, oh. <laughs> Man, he was such a big part of He like, was this, huge. Yeah. Him and guys like Mac Davis. And honey, and, I miss you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Horrible. Wow. I've been listening to a lot of that stuff. That stuff's great, though. It's I love, like, bubblegum pop, British pop, yeah. all that really... Well, you know, I mean, with with all this time that has passed, it it is the perfect soundtrack for something horrible. You know, oh yeah, like, you know, like you know, like uh, uh, I could see you know, Tarantino did it first, but I could see anybody taking any one of these songs mm-hmm. and, and and matching it up with some horrible torture scene or or a montage of like the world is ending you know or right uh, it all fits that stuff on um, paper laces the night chicago died you know yeah, 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 yeah stuff yeah. like that yeah that's awesome that is awesome uh i got a ton of shit but here's one thing i was in a bookstore record store the other day and i found this chunk of italian, italian. soundtracks yeah. films like i'm gonna fuck this up but Machiste o Gladiatore Piforte del Mundo. La, another one is La Ragazza con la Valigia. Dude, I want to make a it's movie. It's so good. I want to make a movie where I just take like random Italian words that yeah. like you, that are often in you know uh, Tenebre del Mundo and and have it not make any sense at all. But it kicked open a door of names I'd never heard of mm-hmm. and just. You know, I look up Carlos Savini, who did uh, a movie about it's a movie about Achilles, and you look, and there's suddenly there's forty scores. People and I've never heard of these people guys. People forget that you know, prior to the spaghetti western, of which there's a million, there was the Italian muscle film. Yeah, and it was all like uh, there's player. a name for it. We talked about it on that yeah, the glory that, yeah, that is the, Rome the, yeah. episode. Yeah. But that's what all this stuff is. It, it's that sort of don da da don da da don don like guys with like big long bugles that yes. are blowing. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Yeah. All of it was fucking amazing. Uh, and then there's a bunch of stuff here. There's a new Klaus Doldinger from Passport, sax player. The movie is called Salz auf unsere Haut. Um, and Klaus Doldinger is a guy that like if you like jazz, look up anything by the band called Passport. Um, God, there's so much stuff here. Uh, Lenin M and Transito. It's like Bulgarian pop that I found. That was kind of great. Okay. Um, Jermaine Franco did the score for Tag, and it's very the movie Tag. Yeah. Was just a very. Da- it sounds like Daniel Pemberton. Very spy related. Very. Cool. Tension. Uh, Lee Maddow's score to Summer of '84. The big surprise was William Ross's score for Destination Wedding. This um, uh, Keanu Reeves, Winona Ryder movie they yeah. did, where they go to Tuscany. The score sounds like something Lyle Workman would do, or um, Stefan Grappelli. That old, like Amelie, the music in Amelie. Yes, yes, very, yes, yes. very cool. Uh, Dick on Hinchcliffe, the soundtrack to is, uh, Idris Elba's film Yardy is highly recommended. Soundtrack to Future World by a band called Toy Drone. Future World's that James Franco, Mia Jovovich thing that we reviewed the trailer a yeah. couple weeks ago. Um, I know. <laughs> Gary Scheinman, the score to Torn, it's a video game. David Buckley's score to Papillon is really good. Uh, I'm almost done. Score to Minding the Gap by Chris Ruggiero and Nathan Halpern. 
Um, Ian Hulkfist's scored that movie Axled about the guy that finds that giant robotic dog yeah. is super great it's great for working out and running around like a crazy person uh, David Arundel's and David Buckley's score for Arkham Knight is excellent Sean Murray's new score for Accident Man is great and I was looking for a comic called Jonah Ray. Jonah Ray is the new host of MST3K. Okay. This is how Tom's life works. Mm-hmm. And so I found a bunch of records and um, turns out there's a synth guy um, named Jonah Ray that is not the com- comic guy. Right. Not who you were looking for but you're glad you found Right. It. This record is called I Threw This Together the Other Night I Hope You Like It. And it's ambient and uh, uh, very, very, very cool. Awesome. There you go. Alright. Uh, next week, yes. we have uh, a guest coming on. Um, we want to talk to her. Her name's Shauna Gore. Uh, we're going to talk to her about. She was an editor at Dark Horse. Right. And so we're going to talk about editing and working for comics companies and all that. And maybe the, uh, the, the, the revival of the comics. Dark Horse kind of became a big player in something that people hadn't been, only smaller people had been doing up to that point. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's important. I don't know how much how much of uh, insight in that she can give us, but Shauna, I've known Shauna for years, yeah. after the MacArthur Nocton days, and, and she's awesome. So we're really excited about that. Thanks again to Paul Komoda for coming on. Yep. He rocks. You're, I'm sure you're going to see more of that guy coming on here. Um, thanks again to everyone that is sharing the stuff. Yes. Um, I think it's great. Do it if you can. Um, just share. We're trying to get our numbers up. Everything's going well. We just want to try to get our numbers Absolutely. up. Uh, go to our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash bonus material podcast. Facebook, all that other stuff. Twitter, all of it. Langley's cool. on there. I'm on there. Do your thing. And I already thanked Paul Kimono. Yeah, right, we're good. Right. See you next week, guys. For the Bonus Material Podcast, I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Stay scary. So what? Eat deal.